This is the Runner's World Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Runner's World Podcast, the weekly podcast bringing you all the latest running news, views and interviews. I'm Rick Pearson, the Runner's World section editor, and I'm here with Ben Hobson, the digital editor. Ben, what have we got coming up on this week's episode? This week we are looking at running in the LGBT community and we are delighted to be joined by two members and the current presidents of the London Frontrunners, which is the largest LGBT sports club in Europe. And we also have RW's Kerry McCarthy coming in to talk us through the latest running news. Sounds good. Yep. I also hear on the grapevine yes. that Kerry might have a new jingle. <laughs> Somebody's written Kerry a jingle, and you have. It, it's to be <laughs> it's to be enjoyed or endured later in the show. So lots to look forward to. Apart from that, Ben, what have you been up to? You've been on holiday, haven't you? I did. Uh, it got very warm. I was in France, and just as you know, this ludicrous heat wave came along. So that was. But I enjoy the heat, so it's fine. How how hot are we talking? For, Forty-five degrees. Oh yeah, it was very melty. Yeah, but it, counter to our last chat, which was how amazing holiday running is. I, I'm currently injured so there was no holiday running oh shame so it is a shame because that is my favorite kind of running but we were based right next to france's large second largest freshwater lake oh lovely so i did some lots of swimming yeah great cross training great well yeah for low sure. impact it was it was lovely, lovely. actually it really like four thousand year old freshwater lake wow i learned all about it when i was there it sounds like it it was really good yeah tell us later on okay <laughs> Um, what about you? So I made the most of the good weather. It wasn't 45 degrees, though. It was about maybe 30. Uh, but I ran around Hyde Park, which is close to the Runner's World um, HQ. And I thought, I'm, I'm going to go for this. I was like, tempo, four miles at tempo pace. And um, ahead of me on the path, there's a group of tourists who are about to take a photo of themselves. And one of them saw me uh, coming and said, oh, watch out, jogger coming through. Oh, I was livid. So I'm, I'm running. This is me running. And you and like there must have been like a, a face of exertion going on <laughs> yeah. if you're doing a tempo. This isn't like yeah. they looked at you and thought, here's a man casually jogging. Yeah. You were you were trying. I was trying, but I was like, well maybe maybe it doesn't look like much like, you know, maybe it looks like I'm jogging. I mean, I'm not in, not really into this kind of big uh difference between jogging and running. I don't I don't sort of You don't it's, I don't ordinarily care, but I thought, oh my god, right. God, At the time, you cared because you were really actually probably hurting. A I wish I said runner coming through. It just would have. <laughs> it would have, it would have made. It would have made the effort feel validated. Exactly. Exactly. Oh. Well, we should move on to uh, the uh, guests of the week, Ben. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to chatting to these guys. This is the Runners World podcast. With London Pride Parade taking place next weekend, we thought it was perfect time to discuss running and the LGBT community. Frontrunners is an umbrella organisation of LGBT running clubs around the world, and we're delighted to be joined by the co-presidents of the London branch, Kirsty Fitzgerald and Jamie Keenan. Welcome to the Runners World podcast. Thank you very much. Hello. Um, I think before we get into anything else, what is Frontrunners and when was it set up? Frontrunners was set up in 1974 right. in San Francisco, and it started out as a, a jogging club. You might remember that, that jogging was a bit of a, a fad in the 70s, yep. and so, of course, some gay people got together and said, how about we do gay jogging? <laughs> and, how, and how about the London branch? When was that set up, Jamie? The London branch was set up in 1995, right. so if you do maths carefully, you'll realise that we are celebrating 25 years next year. Ah, excellent. Right. Another, all right, we'll celebrate that one as well. Indeed. So, Kirsty, question for you, because I hear the social side of things at Front Runners is, is fantastic. How important is that side uh, to the club, alongside, obviously, the running? 
Yeah, um, well, the the community side um, is really important to all the all the runners, especially if, um, um, having support not just for your running but for kind of being an LGBT person living in um, living maybe or working with with other people in the same community as you. It's really important to have the support from um, yeah other people that've got the same things in common. Um, it's really important for the um, the runners as well to get together, and you can chat and kind of after a, after a run, you kind of feel really good, and then you can go and have some dinner or have some drinks. Um, I've actually just come back from um, Devon, where a group of seventy of us went down for kind of a social weekend. Right. Um, we did the Devon uh, Park Run in uh, Barnes. Um, in Woolacombe on Saturday, oh, yeah. and then yes. we did the North Devon half on Sunday. Wow. Um, I bet it was really hilly, wasn't it? I've always think Devon's <laughs> lovely, but really, really lumpy, yeah. Do you know, the, um, there was running across sand, and there was running um, through the um, through the kind of the sand dunes and over the hills, and it was pretty tough. Um, but, you know, it was a really great weekend to have um, so many members of the club all together. Yeah. Um, socialising for the weekend, out for dinner, breakfast, um, and yeah, enjoying each other's company. Yeah, sounds good. So, uh, who can turn up to front runners? Because most running clubs is a you know is a is a broad church. Everyone just turns up. It's a similar thing, right? Absolutely, anyone can turn up. Yep, great. Yeah, we, we encourage all runners to come, all different abilities, um, to come and give it a go. What was the appeal of having a running club specifically for the LGBT community? Why was that? sort of something that materialised do you think? I think the, the, the appeal for, for myself and certainly many of our members is that uh, doing sports at school wasn't fun it wasn't inclusive rewinding 20 years <clears throat> excuse me rewinding 20 years it wasn't as inclusive and we didn't necessarily feel as comfortable in, for example in the change rooms mm. so joining a sports club where being gay is not anything special at all it's not really even a topic of conversation yeah. That's an, an immediate appeal, and it's almost like uh, experiencing all the things that you you couldn't experience uh, as a teenager doing team sports if you didn't feel included back then. Right. You can you can do it now. And I think as well, you know, um, when some of the members of the club they maybe aren't out to family members, or they don't have family that they're still in touch with, or they have um, work colleagues that they don't feel comfortable to come out to. So actually, after work in the evening, if you can go to a running club five days a week where you're surrounded by other LGBT people and it's perfectly normal that you can then exercise with others and just feel really included and um, comfortable, um, that's really important. And it can, make, it can make a huge difference to your quality of life um, if, you, if you're surrounded by people that you feel comfortable to express your full self to. Do you, do you think that... 
traditional running clubs can be kind of intimidating places then for members of the LGBT community? I think everywhere can be intimidating for no, members. No, I am intimidated by normal running clubs. <laughs> <laughs> and even just mentioning, oh, my, my wife, my girlfriend, my same-sex partner, my um, my transgender boyfriend, my you know these these uh, terms or these topics. When if you if you maybe in a running club where people haven't heard haven't met someone like you before, then you can feel, oh, maybe it's not the right place to talk about my personal life. Yeah. Um, and that can put barrier between you and the running club. Um, I, I would echo that, and I would say that we, we have have we have people who've joined our club saying they were in a previous running club, didn't feel 100% comfortable mm. either coming out or just generally being part of that particular club for various reasons, and they've come to us as a bit of a, a refugee, if you like, because, mm. as I said before, you know, being gay is, is the least of our worries, really, when we turn up for a run. If, if you want to bring a partner to the Christmas, uh, to kind of a Christmas event or some a social, like, um, we, you know, we went away to Kew Gardens for the weekend, for a, a trip, and it was inclusive of all. So you can bring your children, bring your uh, partner, and just come and enjoy a day out with the, um, with the runners. It doesn't all have to be just about um, you and your running. If you also have... Um, if you're in a maybe you weren't in a LGBT inclusive environment, you may think twice about um, bringing a bringing a partner along to one of those events. Now I know that Frontrunners is also very international, and you have clubs in the US, Australia, uh, all around Europe. Is there a lot of interaction between these sort of different chapters? Yes, <laughs> of course. We have uh, the Gay Games um, every four years. Yeah. The next one's in Hong Kong in 2020. Wow. And we have the Euro Games that's coming up in July in Rome. Um, and we all compete in, um, against each other. Yeah. What, what sports are we talking? Mm, there's so many sports. I went to the Paris Gay Games last year and there's triathlon, there's uh, cycling, there's tennis, there's shot put, there's... <laughs> There's a whole list of different um, events you can get involved in. Running-wise, there's always a pride run. And last year, I did the half, the 5K and the 10K. Yeah. Oh, that's a great amount of opportunity. Well, Jamie, you, you were mentioning off-air about the pride run that's coming up that you guys organise in August, is that right? August the 10th, that's right. And um, well, tell us a little bit about that, where it takes place and, and um, yeah, what, why it's worth sort of signing up for. Uh, so the pride run 10K, it's in Victoria Park in London on the... What do we decide? The northeastern yeah. bit of Victoria <laughs> Park. Yeah, yeah. Uh, controversially, a three-lap race, but you know we'll get over that. Yeah. Um, we describe it as one of the best races to do if you've never done a 10k before, because yeah. it's so flat and it's a very, very uh, welcoming environment, LGBT or not. Um, we have over a thousand people sign up for the race, and we have people of absolutely all abilities running there'll be people still running at the one hour 30 mark and that's that's applauded as much as someone who you know will do it in 30 odd minutes yeah. Yeah. so it's um yeah as i said it's, it's the, the perfect first race for anyone who's never done 10k before and a great celebration of, of our club and a great yeah. great advert for for what we do and what we offer yeah, I mean, there was a uh, as of this morning, we we saw the news that the, the that the New York Pride um, run had over ten thousand people take place at the weekend as, yeah, a, as a record-breaking yeah. Pride run. That's a, I mean, aspirational. I think maybe <laughs> start <laughs> getting that start somewhat, getting that field somewhat dwarfs our efforts. No, uh, not at all. <laughs> it just gives you something to aim for. New next year world record. Uh, maybe next year. I That's, think you know, twelve hundred this year. 12,000 next year. Perfect. I don't see why not. No, exactly. 
Give this, us a- was, um, this was the first year we also had two Pride runs in London, actually, because the um, Pride in London, who organised the parade, ran a 10K as well. Oh, wow. Right. Yeah. So they did their first, um, and that was a fundraiser for the Pride Parade itself. Oh, nice. So all, all, um, all the money went towards the, the expense of putting on the parade. Can you give us a sense, Jamie? What a what does a week look like for a front runner member? As in, as in like what when do you do your runs and what do they involve? So uh, you can pick and choose as a member exactly what you do. But we have four what we call weekly runs. So it's Monday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Saturday morning. Yeah, right. Wow. Uh, and then you can do track on Tuesdays and track again every other Thursday. I'm exhausted. Um, <laughs> so I don't know how many people do all of that every oh, week. Yeah. But um, there's there's a bit of, comp- of competition for our members to do all four weekly runs yeah. for for like four weeks in a row. Yeah. Um, I have never done that. Just yeah. confessing. <laughs> um, and I think it'd be quite quite uh, quite an, uh, a time investment to do all of that. Um, but Kirsty's one of our coaches, and she she uh, can probably talk us through what we what happens on our on Wednesday night in our coaching. Go session. on, talk us through the track, Kirsty. <laughs> Yeah, Wednesday's one of the really nice runs, actually. Up in North London, we meet near Kentish Town. Um, and we, uh, there's two different sessions happen on the Wednesday, so you can kind of even decide on the day what you fancy. The coach session usually goes up and down the hills um, um, around the Primrose, um, uh, Primrose Hill. Is it Primrose? Yeah, yeah, Parliament yeah. Hill. <laughs> Parliament Hill's at Hampstead Heath. Um, yeah. They're both steep and hard to run up. Yeah. Could, yeah. Yes, we we tackle those hills and there's a great view from the top. Um, and then the the other option on a Wednesday is to run around Regent's Park. On the uh, in the winter, it has to be the outside of the park. Okay. But in yeah. the summer, when it's daylight, we all go around the inside. Nice. Yeah, and then afterwards, we've got a rotor of where we have dinner. But usually, there's a dinner after. Ooh. Oh, nice! Now we're talking. <laughs> That's where I come in. <laughs> have you got? Have you got some good places to eat around there? Yeah, we've been working our way around several of the local pubs and restaurants, and we've kind of built up. Um, we've built up some connections with some of the local businesses as well. Mm. I was speaking with a friend of mine uh, who uh, was looks wants to wants to take up running i was like you should really think about front runners he was a bit worried about not being quick enough and what would you say to people who are who maybe who are a bit intimidated about joining a running club i'll ask you first jamie what you think of that um i would say that's probably the number one comment we get from people who who join the club and and are with us for a few weeks that i was so worried for a long time about not being fast enough and i was one of those people who watched london front runners march down the hill at london pride for five years before i felt that i was good enough to, to join the club and obviously it was a wasted five years yeah. because it's absolutely not a problem yeah. if you can run we say if you can run for half an hour without stopping so if you can do a park run then you're good to go you're okay, good right. to join us now yeah. that's really the only criteria if you can do half an hour no problem oh that's good yeah would you, you you'd presumably echo that Kirsty? yeah for sure um, so last year we actually really focused on beginners so we did a, a couch to 5k program and we still have then kept a number of those runners with us um, but they'll they'll also be on a on a regular run. There'll be people that um, kind of are going to take it a bit easier. Maybe do an out and back run because they've just done a, a hard race. They're going to take it easy. And there's also people that have been injured who want to just kind of build it back up slowly. So whether you're a completely new beginner or you're returning back from injury, they'll you're more than welcome to come along. Yeah, I think. Um, there's been a there's been a lot of uh, discussion in the news recently about stories about uh, 
gender in racing, particularly in running, uh, genetics. Um, and also there's within cross country, there's been a huge divide between equality and distance that people have been running as men and women. How do you guys, how does that affect you and, and, and your community when, in terms of this division of man and woman and, and, and especially with transgender runners? Mm-hmm. Um, with the cross-country um, Met League we're really involved in, our whole club has voted for the last few years to equalise the distances. Yeah. Um, that, that was our stance on it, that, um, that if women can run marathons, they can definitely do more yeah. than a 6K cross-country. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so we we as a club united on that. We did a we did a poll kind of between our members to kind of gauge where we all agree on, and we and we stuck with it. That's what we we took from that. Um, as regards to the um, kind of the wider picture, uh, Jamie, you, um, you might be best to speak on that actually because you attended um, kind of with um, with some developing some policies and procedures and training and stuff, didn't you for. Yeah, certainly. So we were asked as a as an LGBT running club, one of the one of the biggest, to to advise UK athletics on okay. how to approach gender mm. and how to approach uh, people who identify as non-binary. Mm. Um, so of course, our position is people should be able to compete and identify with whatever gender that that is appropriate to them. Mm. Uh, and our thoughts were very well received by UKA, and they developed some great policies on on how that should be approached in races yeah. and. Uh, the ability for athletes to compete in the category in which they feel they should be competing. Yeah, great. Are there any other messages about uh, the front runners that you'd like to like to get out there? I would say that uh, for those who are looking to make friends and meet people and stuff, running is a great excuse to do that. Um, there's a lot of argument in our club whether we're more of a social club or more of a, a running club. Yeah. Um, I do think we're about 50-50. Um, I joined as what you might call a social member and I've become a little bit of a competitive member more than more than I ever thought I would. Mm. So I would say, for speaking from my own experience, I've been in the club for six years. Um, yeah, running is just a great excuse to, to meet people, have fun and, and really turn your social life up to 11 if you want to. And Kirsty? Um, yeah, so even if you don't live in London, you should get involved with an LGBT um, community around near where you live, um, especially with running. Whether it's um, Edinburgh, you can get involved with their Pride 10K or the Manchester Piece of Cake 10K. Yeah, just get involved and kind of give it a go. And that's great. And if people are interested in, in joining Frontrunners, is, is there a website people should go to? There is a website, londonfrontrunners.org. Everything you need to know is on there, but you, you, you can, if you email the info address, yeah. uh, Kirsty or myself will get back to you. Well, thank you very, very much, Kirsty and Jamie. Thanks so much for coming on the Runners World podcast. It was fab to talk uh, to you about running in the LGBT community and also uh, the Frontrunners uh, Club. So thanks very, very much. Thank you. Thanks a lot. This is the Runner's World Podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's an interesting topic I saw being discussed on Twitter uh, this week, and it was talking about the benefits of training to time rather than mileage. Yeah. So, so instead of following a schedule that says, you know, run X amount of miles, it instead tells you to run for a certain amount of time. So, for instance, like Monday might be 60 minutes easy rather than seven miles easy. Mm-hmm. And the benefits of that are that it's a little bit more flexible. So it, it takes into consideration stuff like terrain or weather. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I think it's a, a bit more um, progressive way to, to train. What do you think? No, it's great. Um, so if you go to runnersworld.com slash UK, you can read about Jane, our very own Jane Maguire's training for London, which she did using solely her Garmin watch as a training coach. Right. So you, you put up, you know, you take on one of their training plans and do that. And I'm pretty right, sure I'm right in saying that that was 100% done on time. Yeah. And she that's how she trained for the, for the marathon. So you can read more about it then. But yeah, I think it's, um, I, I like the idea of it because you can kind of, it, it makes planning a, day almost like kind of like you feel like you've you've got your allotted time mm. and then you know it's not necessarily like yeah, oh, i must point. do nine miles yeah and you kind of do seven and you feel like oh god these last two yeah. whereas in reality if you said like an hour and a half mm. you'd probably be like yeah you know keep going this yeah. Is, yeah this is fine no i like it i, I was chatting i've never to... done it though i've done it once actually and it was um i was chatting with robbie Britton, who's a very good ultra runner and a, a really good coach and um i was training for the glamorous milton Keynes marathon and mm. a lot of the long runs i was doing were on trail basically i, I, I want to do like hilly trail marathon uh not marathons but long runs and uh and i'd be out for you know like two hours and 10 minutes two hours and 15 minutes but i'd only cover 14 miles mm. and i remember saying to robbie look i'm quite worried because lots of the longer runs i've done aren't 18 or 19 miles they're they're 14 like a traditional plan of like yeah. your, your, your your distance escalates exactly. yeah, yeah. yeah exactly and he was like well look you've got to look at that and think that 14 miler that takes you two hours and ten minutes. If you were out on the on the concrete, two hours and ten minutes, you, you would you would run 18 miles. So that, yeah. that, that that's actually the equivalent of an 18 miler. It's not like all 14 milers are created equal. That's not how yeah, yeah. running works. And I think it's really good. I'd be interested to know um, what our listeners think because I, I sense that most people still run to mileage rather than time. But I think it, it might be time to have a, a think about that. Yeah. No, I think I'd like to see if you've if you've trained by time or you always have trained by time and never done mileage. Let us know. Podcast at runnersworld.co.uk. This is the Runners World podcast. We are now joined by Kerry McCarthy, Runners World's own running detective, to bring you the latest running news. In acknowledgement to some of your fine work over the past couple of months, I've collaborated with a local reggae musician oh, to gosh. create your own jingle. Are you ready to hear it? No, but you're going to play it anyway. Sure. His fingers on a button, his ears to the ground. 
He's done a bit of Googling and he's had a nose around. He's a detective wearing running shoes. Carry McCarthy and his weekly running news. There you go, Kerry. Has what it, can I say? Has anyone ever written you a song before? First of all, <laughs> you, <laughs> you said reggae. That is not yeah. right. <laughs> there was this thing, South church. London twang about that. It's a broad it's like church. very familiar one as it's well. It's like Garth Brooks, but, but from Croydon. It's a broad church. <laughs> um, right, let's talk about some running news. Yes, let's. Uh, so what have we got this week? I think the big news in the last week has been, sadly for us Londoners and us Brits, the news that Elliot Kipchoge is going to be doing his next sub-tour attempt not in London in October, um, but Ooh. in Vienna. Yeah, I know. Boo, Elliot. <laughs> um, but we still hope you do it, obviously. Um, yeah, the venue has been switched. It's going to uh, the Prater Park uh, in Vienna. Uh, I think we're not quite sure why this has happened, but when you look at the routes uh, that they have proposed, it's a lot straighter. Mm. Battersea Park was going to be uh, one of the potential venues in London, and obviously he would be running many, many laps of that. Um, but I think it's quite interesting that they've they've gone for this because we don't we just don't know what's going to get him those final twenty five yeah, right. seconds. For those mm. of you who don't know, he ran last time trying to run sub two. He ran two hours and twenty five seconds. Mm. So you would think, okay, that's that's achievable. But what is it that's going to get him that? Is it going to be a slightly straighter route? Is it going to be more uh, bigger crowds cheering him on? Uh, first thing I thought when I saw that route though is that it it there's there's comparative to Monza where it was a racetrack. Mm. Those corners are literally 180s. I know that there's like a large bulbous end, which is like a larger, more progressive turn. But the other end, I mean... It's quite tight. Yeah, it's quite a tight turn. I would imagine if you're trying to yeah. maintain four minute, 23, what is it, four twenty-three minute miles? Something, something like that, yeah. 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 That something you don't really want corners. Especially not like big ones at the end, but then a really long straights is great yeah i think you have to you have to make some compromise right okay yeah yeah Yeah, i would imagine he'll have to do almost like an f1 car he'll have to go wide around them rather than you know following the racing line yeah um yeah but you know let's hope he's practicing that in training (laughs) um so that's that uh next up from the road to the trail it was the western states 100 uh last week which is the old the world's oldest i should say uh 100 mile race been going since 1974 uh, I think, a bit of trivia here, I think it was started uh, by a guy, it used to be run on horseback. Okay. And then a guy called Gordy something, a Californian, yeah. his horse became lame. <laughs> and so he got off the horse and finished the race on foot, dragging the horse along behind him. So now many years later, um, it's obviously one of the biggest races in the world. Uh, Britain Tom Evans came third, which is not just a record for a Brit, but it's actually the fastest uh, performance by a non-American. Right, mm. okay. Um, he did 14 hours, 59 15, minutes yeah. and 44 seconds I mean, he, for he, 100 miles. He, or if you work in Metro, that's 166 kilometres. So, I mean, f- six, 15 hours. 15 hours. Yep. Just under, crept in. Yeah, That's... he's fantastic, isn't he? Because he won the CCC last, last year. year. Yeah, part of the UTMB series. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah f- fantastic. Yeah, I, I, actually, I got to meet him about th- three months ago. I did a training session with him. I'm not saying that was... That's what did p- it. Pivotal in his <laughs> in his rise. But yeah, his ambition is really um really comes free. He was talking about, you know, I actually wonder if he'll be happy with third. You know, I actually think he 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 might think that he can go and go and win a race of that stature. Um so yeah, definitely someone to, to keep a lookout for, I would say. 
Well, uh, the winner, Jim Wormsley, uh, won the race in 1409. Jeez. So, wow. which uh, was a new course record, and he actually broke his own record by 20 minutes. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, if Tom Evans wants to win it next year with Jim Wormsley taking place, is uh, running as well, he's got to knock another 50-odd minutes off. Yeah, it's an ask. It is an ask. But, you know, in preparation this time, he spent two months training um, in Iten, in Ethiopia, at altitude. Yeah. Um, and he was saying that the slowest runner in the Ethiopian running group I was training with, except for me, was a 208 marathoner. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, he said um, it made it very interesting. Their tempo runs were on dirt tracks with rolling hills. Mm. So they were perfect uh, for the race. He basically said that... They would go out and they would do these sessions where the Ethiopians would run themselves to exhaustion until they just could not move anymore, and then a car would come and pick them up and drive them home. Wow. Just kind of what we should all have on our long Sunday runs, frankly. Well, you just never hear of that session, do you? Like, you kind no. of run there's out, always run an there's, there's, an, there's an ambition to be home at some point, but, yeah. <laughs> but by foot rather than like. <laughs> well, let's hope they're doing like a loop rather than just running away from where they live and then can't go, right, I'm screwed oh, now. Mum? <laughs> yeah. Mum, I've done it again. I'm lost. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any Uber up in the mountains. No, so, that's you know. true. <laughs> <laughs> That's an amazing session. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and finally, uh, just a quick one. Great news for runners everywhere. You don't need to do the plank as much as you think. Oh, good. To improve your core strength. Um, a couple of uh, American fitness experts called Stuart McGill and Nuram Tamir um, have worked out what they think by studying lots of different research and their own anecdotal evidence. Um that people who try to hold a plank for as long as possible, you know, it's like, is it a minute? That's good enough. Mm. If you progress to two, is that twice as good? Actually, what they say is a few reps of 20 seconds at a time with perfect form right. is good. Yeah. And because you have to you have to switch on all your muscles to do it, mm. if you're able to hold a plank actually for, say, four or five minutes, you're not doing it properly because you're not switching on all those muscles, because you would get fatigued far before that. Got it. So, and rather than just doing, say, a minute at one time as well, actually split that minute up into three right. three reps. Well, it does sound so, good. Yeah, so. yeah. That's amazing, because there's this ridiculous plank record that's yeah. something like seven hours or something. Uh, it's slightly less More, than that. I made oh. a note of it. It's a Canadian lady called Dana Glowacker, um, and it's apparently four hours, 20 minutes. It's oh. the world record. Oh, my God. She's not doing it right, I don't She's think. not doing it right, yeah. It's <laughs> Sorry. completely wasted her Sorry. time. <laughs> Um, but there you go when you're in the gym less time planking more time doing boomerangs for Instagram on the leg press win win absolutely well Kerry thanks very much for, for coming in and giving us a rundown no worries this is the Runner's World podcast so that brings us to the end of this week's Runner's World podcast I'd like to say a huge thanks to our guests Kirsty and Jamie and to Number 8 Studios in Soho where this was recorded for more news, reviews, interviews and much, much more on the wide world of running, please head over to runnersworld.com slash UK. Please like and subscribe on iTunes. And thanks to Acast, our hosting partner. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? 
Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 